भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येक्षजत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टवागुंसस्तनु व्यशेम देवितयु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्षो अरिष्टनेमि स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दधा ओ शाति 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 ओम ओ गाड्स मे वी हियर ऑस्पिशियस वर्ड्स विद द इयर्स वाइल एंगेज्ड इन सैक्रिफाइसेस मे वी सी ऑस्पिशियस थिंग्स विद आवर आईज वाइल प्रेजिंग द गाड्स विद स्टडी लिम्स May we enjoy a life that is beneficial to the gods. May Indra of ancient fame be auspicious to us. May the all-knowing Pusha, the god of the earth, be propitious to us. May Garuda, the destroyer of evil, be well disposed towards us. May Prihaspati ensure our welfare. Om. Peace. 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 <clears throat> We have started the second Mundaka. We are studying Mundaka Upanishad, the second chapter. The context is: um, the student goes to the teacher and asks a very interesting question, a very deep question. That, what is that served by knowing which everything is known? And of course, since we are in Vedanta, we know the answer is going to be Brahman. But what's going on here? Um, how can knowing one thing lead you to know everything? I mean, if you know uh, Sanskrit, you don't know German. If you know uh, chemistry, you may not know um, physics. So, uh, how can knowing one thing lead you to know everything? Um, the idea is that if you know the material cause of something, then you know whatever the product is made out of that material cause. For example, if we know what gold is, then we know the reality of all golden ornaments. If we know what clay is, we know the reality of all clay pottery. In what sense? In in the in this sense that whatever the ornament is, necklaces, um, rings, tiaras, whatever the ornament is, we can say for sure it's gold because we know it's made of gold. Uh, whatever kind of pottery is produced, we can say for sure that it's clay because we know the material is nothing but clay. So we can say that whatever the pot is. it is nothing but clay whatever the ornament is nothing but gold in the same way just as by knowing gold you know all ornaments made of gold just as by knowing clay you know all pottery made of clay what is that one thing in this universe everything in this universe what is that one thing by knowing which you know everything so this is how this upanishad begins it's the same question in every upanishad um but it's uh, same subject but it's approached through in different interesting ways so in this way it is a, here in this upanishad is it is approached as what is the ultimate reality of this entire universe of everything before answering that the teacher prepared some context he said you want to know you want that knowledge by knowing which everything is known well knowledge is of two kinds one is what you are familiar with the lower knowledge the relative knowledge that by knowing which we know things in this world in detail but then there's this higher knowledge which you might call the vedantic knowledge uh, paravidya the transcendent knowledge supreme knowledge by knowing which you know the reality of this entire universe 
And now we know what, in what sense the reality. It is the cause of this entire deal. Cause means the material, the 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 substance. Uh, I mean, material substance is a crude way of putting it. That which is appearing to us as this universe. And there is a subtext here. There is a, that this. Uh, what is the purpose of this entire inquiry? It takes you beyond suffering. It leads to fulfillment. This knowledge will take you beyond suffering. It will lead to fulfillment. This is the goal of Vedanta, Moksha, Nirvana, freedom. Freedom from suffering, freedom from limitation. Uh, how will this uh, happen? We know. Because this ultimate reality which is going to be revealed here is you. So you are the reality which is appearing as this entire universe. Once I, Once you know that, once I know that, Nothing in this universe is different from you. Um, things in this universe come and go. Our bodies may perish, but that ultimate reality is immortal. It does not perish. So you are beyond death. Um, bodies are subject to disease. Mind may be subject to ups and downs and frustrations. But that ultimate reality from which these bodies and minds have come, that is not subject to disease. That is not subject to ups and downs and frustrations. And therefore you are beyond disease. You are beyond ups and downs and frustrations. And so on. Basically, the entire universe is one with you. That will be the uh, realization. Now, in this second mundaka, finally the teacher comes to the question, the question which was asked, that higher knowledge. She has prepared the ground. There is something by knowing which you can know everything because that thing is the ultimate reality of the universe. By knowing that, you can know everything. Um, now, what is that? And that knowledge has to be taught. So that's what's going to be, what has he has already started teaching. The second mantra which we saw in the second Mundaka last time, we saw mantra 2, Mundaka 2, 2.1.2. Divyo yamutta purushaha sabbhyabhyantaro hyajaha aprano yamana shubhro yaksharat paratapparaha He's teaching us about that ultimate reality. It's like gold for all golden ornaments, clay for all clay pots. What is the that for the entire universe? He says it is consciousness. Divya, that's the shining one. Again, remember, and we are using words like consciousness or awareness, which is which has some connotation for us in English or in consciousness studies, which is the empirical consciousness. The you know, you are now seeing all this and hearing these words. So this is consciousness, but it's uh, consciousness mediated through the mind and the senses. It's particularized consciousness. But there is something like pure consciousness or the original consciousness. That's what he's talking about. Divya. Yamurta. It is formless. Uh, it, it doesn't have a form or shape or sound or any anything that can be objectified by the senses. Purushaha. The ultimate reality. Uh, so Purusha, as, as I explained last time, Purnam, one meaning of Purusha is the full, that means the reality beyond which there is nothing else, that which pervades the entire universe. That's one meaning. And there is another one, Purishayanatiti Purusha, that which resides in this body-mind complex. What resides in this body-mind complex? You do. You are there. So it, you are that Purusha. Um, that is both inside and outside, this psychophysical organism. Ajaha, it is unborn. Everything in this universe is born and changes and it dies. This is unborn, therefore it is immortal also. That which is not born cannot die, obviously. 
And then he goes on to say, Aprano, it, it does not have a pranamaya kosha, vital sheath, um, the life forces. Amana, it does not have a mind. What does not have mind? Pure consciousness. Shubraha, uh, it is not affected. It, it is pure. Uh, it's not affected by karma, causality. Aksharat paratahpara, it is beyond maya. Having said this, a question may arise that, um, um, you know, how ca can you say that this pure consciousness, whatever you call it, the ultimate reality of the universe, from which the entire universe has come, and you are saying this ultimate reality of the universe is associated with the maya, from maya entire universe has come, then how can that consciousness, how can you say that it is without prana, without life forces, without mind, without senses, without capacities. Clearly we see, it's like saying, you are consciousness, you are consciousness right now, and you are without a mind, without a, um, without life forces, that means prana, without senses. That's just not true. You will say that, yes, I may be consciousness, but right now I am, there is a mind. I have a mind and I have senses and I have life forces, and therefore I am a jiva. I'm a living being. Uh, so this is the question. One must appreciate the question to appreciate the answer. It's a very stunning answer which he will give. Who will give? Shankaracharya. The Upanishad is going to say that, but Shankaracharya is going to draw out the meaning. First, appreciate the question. You have just said the ultimate reality of this universe is Purusha, which pervades the entire universe, which is in this body and mind. And it is pure consciousness. But it is without a mind, without um, uh, prana, without senses. How? How is that possible? Because clearly it has. I mean, whether that pure consciousness is there or not, we have a doubt. But mind is there, prana is there, senses are there, we have no doubt. And you are saying just the opposite. You are saying the reality is pure consciousness, no mind, no senses, no so mindless, senseless, <laughs> lifeless. What do you mean by this? If you appreciate the question, then the answer will make a lot of sense. Will make, I mean, it will be at least startling. So this is the question. And Shankaracharya, before introducing mantra number three, he, um, he explains what's happening and what's going to happen. So I'm just going to read out what Shankaracharya says here. This is uh, his commentary, Bhashya, commentary on the Mundakopanishad, leading to mantra number three, leading to the third mantra. Just before the third mantra. Yasminsta dakashakyam aksharam samvyavahara vishayam utam protamcha katam punaha apranadi matva apranadi matvam tasyatyuchate. So he says that pure consciousness in which there is Maya. Maya is the seed of this universe. Everything in this universe is uh, included in, in Maya, is projected from Maya. So Maya is there. Therefore, the entire universe uh, is in the seed form there. How can you say that pure consciousness, uh, which is the reality of this entire universe, is without uh, mind, is without intellect, is without senses? This is the question. Otamcha protamcha. The entire otam protam means woven, interwoven. It's mixed up, intermixed with this. So the ultimate reality is intermixed with this, this universe or rather the inter entire universe is set in that ultimate reality. Remember, what are we asking for? The reality of this universe. The reality of myself. Reality of all this. 
and he's saying this universe is uh, uh, the reality of all of this is beyond um there is no mind there there is no senses there but clearly we have mind and senses so this is an obvious question that will come up why did you say this that the ultimate reality is beyond mind beyond life beyond senses now what's going to happen this is a crucial sentence shankaracharya says here yadi hi pranadaya pragutpatte purushaiva svenatmana santi tada purushasya pranadina vidyamanena pranadi matvam bhavet natute pranadaya pragutpatte purushaiva svenatmana santi all right he says if life mind senses bodies all of these existed along with pure consciousness with their own independent existence in that case you would have said yes this pure consciousness has prana life has mind um, has senses but that is not true the only thing that has existence is that pure consciousness that purusha which you are all these things before their appearance mind before its appearance had no existence of its own this um, prana life forces before their appearance had no existence of their own they did not exist and the senses and the objects of this world this entire universe none of it existed by itself before that uh, before they appeared it's like saying here is clearly a a, a, a bangle a, a bracelet a necklace a, um, a ring how can you say gold has no bangle no bracelet no ring well it doesn't before gold appeared to you as a, a, a bracelet or as a necklace by itself no bracelet existed it's not that there was gold and it had a bracelet or it had a necklace no 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 now the bracelet or the necklace have appeared before you but you cannot say they existed before their appearance um, just as gold always existed they didn't earlier gold existed now also gold is existing just what has changed is a form and you have given a name to it and you have given some activities to it some function to it and you call it a bracelet or a necklace similarly what the claim which is going to make here soon is that the pure consciousness this ultimate reality of the universe that alone existed before this universe appeared and that alone is now appearing to you as this universe it's not that um, matter energy time space existed along with that pure consciousness it's not that pure consciousness exists along with something called mind and life and body and senses and universe no what is called life and mind and body and universe all of this is nothing but that pure consciousness it is we are transacting with all the time and we don't recognize it for what it is that's what is going to be said here uh, so he says tada purushasya pranadi pranadina vidyamanena pranadi matvam bhavet so if they had existed then you could have said the purusha has prana mana um, the senses indriyas but they did not exist before their projection and when they were projected still they don't exist they it is it is the purusha alone alone which existed exists it's like 
before the necklace was created. The necklace didn't exist, but gold existed. And the most startling thing is once the necklace has been created, in reality, the necklace doesn't exist. In reality, only gold continues to exist. But yes, in name and form and function, there is certainly a necklace based on the gold. Exactly like that. Before this universe came into being, there was Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss. Then through Maya, this universe is projected. Matter, energy, time, space, living beings and so on. But in and through all of that, it is Brahman which continues to exist and appears to us in all these ways. And a time will come, things die. You know, non-living things are destroyed, living beings die. One day the universe itself will die again. And so the universe will not exist anymore. It was Purusha, pure consciousness, which will continue to exist. The universe is not something that existed before its projection. It's not something that will exist after its dissolution. But it's also not something that really exists in the in between when it appears to us. What existed before the projection of the universe? Pure consciousness did. Purusha, you did. What ex will exist when the universe disappears? Pure consciousness will exist. Purusha, you will. But more interestingly, while everything is here, what really exists now? Pure consciousness, Purusha exists. That's what you are. So this is the higher knowledge which he is teaching. He says, therefore it is said, Shankaracharya says, Ataha, therefore it is said in these Upanishads says, Apranadiman paraha purushaha. The transcendent purusha, the pure consciousness is without uh, prana, without mind, without senses. And then he gives an example. Yatha anutpanne putre aputro devadattaha. As devadatta, whose child has not been born, is childless. Similarly, there is Purusha, whose universe has not been born, so he is without universe, even now when the universe is appearing. Now we will do mantra number three. So this was the clue as to what's going to happen in the rest of the chapter. What's going to appear? A universe is going to appear. What should we keep in mind? It's only Purusha. When various ornaments are displayed to us, can enjoy the ornaments, use the ornaments, you can identify the ornaments, you can call them by different names, but always know they are only that gold. Similarly, the entire samsara appears before us, including our own bodies, our minds. Yeah. Our past karma is fructifying in our life. All of that will go on, has been going on and will go on even after you get this Vedantic knowledge. But now we will realize, I am not this limited creature. I am actually... Um, the, like the gold which appears as all ornaments, like the clay which appears as the entire range of pottery. I am pure consciousness which appears as not only this living being, as all living beings and, all, and the entire non-living universe. So the entire universe is one with me. That knowledge. And of course, remember, all of this is experiential. It's not just a cool idea, you know, a nice idea. Mantra number three. Etasmajayate prano mana sarvendriyanicha kangvayo jyotirapa prithivivishvasyadharini. Let me read out the English translation by Gambiranji Maharaj. Mantra 3. From him, that is Purusha, originates the vital force as well as the mind, all the senses, space, air 
fire, water, and earth that supports everything. From now on, till the end of this particular chapter, what's going to happen is this. The creation of the universe. Srishti. Why is he going to talk about this? The reason is this. What was the original premise? If the question was, how do I know everything? Tell me one thing by which I know everything. And the answer was that there is this ultimate reality, which is the material cause of everything. That is, uh, uh, this is uh, the upadana uh, karana in uh, Sanskrit. Material cause of everything. If you know that, you will know everything. But I understand you can give me examples of gold and ornaments, clay and pottery. And I sort of have an idea how the ornaments come from the gold or how gold is fashioned or names and forms are given and ornaments come. How the potter makes pottery out of clay. I have some idea. But then how is this vast and varied universe come from this Purusha, this pure consciousness you're talking about? That question will come unless you demonstrate how this universe has come from that Purusha. I will not be able to connect the two. Uh, so now from now on, from Purusha downwards, downstream to us, this universe, this is going to be described. Um, it's an ancient cosmology. Many Upanishads do this. Many of the Upanishads do this. And they each sort of confusingly, they do it in their own fashion, in each in a somewhat different way. So Mundaka Upanishad is one of the Upanishads which does so quite clearly. Before we launch into this, the next few mantras, which we'll go on for today and the next class, I want to present that this whole process from Purusha, from the ultimate reality, the appearance of this universe which we are living in. What is the Vedantic cosmology? I want to present it in a capsule, you know, like a short few minutes. I want to present what's there. And then we can go to the Upanishad. Where am I presenting it from? From a later Vedantic text, the Vedanta Sara of Sadananda Yogindra, which we have done, an introductory text to Vedanta. So what these later texts do is, they are based upon these Upanishads. They have taken the building blocks from these Upanishads, and then they have constructed a neat system. Uh, so sort of um, quite uh, everything is sort of sorted out there, how this universe has come from ultimate reality Brahman. So what's the theory? The cosmology. The idea is this. The reality is only one. Existence, consciousness, bliss. One and non-dual. Then through its own power, maya, it appears. The important word is appears as this universe of powers. So the reality is only one. Maya downwards. Downwards means from maya to us here. All of this is uh, an appearance. Appearance of what? Of that reality, of Brahman. And like the rope appearing like a snake, um, so like a dream world projected in our dreams, similarly this entire universe is a projection from uh, pure consciousness. As the um, Vedanta Sara puts it, Vastu Satchidananda Madhvayam Brahma uh, Agyanadi Sakala Jarasamuha Avastu What does that mean? Reality is only the non-dual existence consciousness bliss that is Brahman. That's the only reality. Everything from Maya downwards is uh, an appearance of that reality. All right.
Anyway, still, how does this appearance come about? This, uh, How does Brahman appear as this world? It goes like this. Brahman, through its projecting power of Maya, um, it, it projects itself as the five primal elements or, or original elements. Um, space, air, fire, water, earth. So these uh, elements are projected from Brahman. That projected means Brahman appears as these elements. Again, all of these are collected from Upanishads. So for example, when I'm saying from Brahman comes space, air, fire, water, where did you get it from? The Taittiri Upanishad says, Tasmad va e tasmad atmana akasha sambhuta. From this Atman pure consciousness appears space. Akashad vayu, vayur agni, agnir apa adhyap prithivi. So from space comes air, from air comes fire, from, the, from that comes water, from water comes uh, earth. And these are not the physical fire, water, earth we are used to. These are names for subtle elements which cannot be perceived. Then what happens? The, the story proceeds. These subtle elements, these five elements, they combine in various forms to form our, um, uh, you know, intellects, minds, the sense capacities, all of these. So our internal world. You will notice here, the entire story of creation is a very inside-out story of creation. From consciousness outwards. First consciousness, then mind, then senses, then the body, and then the, I mean, body and the entire universe. So it starts with consciousness, then comes to the subtle level, the mind, then comes to the physical level, the universe. What is the scientific approach? The scientific approach is just the reverse. We say material universe appeared first. We, what we studied in school. So material universe appeared first. And from that at some point, life appeared. The you know, living matter. Simple animals, uh, simple uh, single-celled uh, creatures. All evolved up to more complex multicellular creatures like us. And then nervous systems and brains evolved. Somehow, somehow. From those nervous systems and brains came mind and consciousness. So the story is from outside in. And uh, in uh, not just Vedanta, in all these uh, Indian philosophies, the story is from uh, inside out, from consciousness to this physical universe. So the subtle elements, they combine to form um, mind, prana, senses, and all of that. Um, now, that pure consciousness in combination with Maya, uh, the power of Maya, is called Ishwara or God. And it's easy to understand why, because that is the source from which the entire universe appears. But this Maya can be subdivided into parts. The pure consciousness cannot be subdivided, but the Maya itself has, has parts. So the pure consciousness in association with the parts of Maya are these sentient, will ultimately become sentient beings, us. What are these sentient beings like? Like our own experience in deep sleep. You, the conscious being, what is your experience in deep sleep? Blank. Consciousness experiencing a blankness, a nothingness. Um, that is the condition of the sentient beings at the initial state of creation. Then the subtle elements combine to produce minds and senses. Um, that consciousness plus individual maya 
plus an individual intellect, Vijnanamaya Kosha, is what is called the functional sentient being, us. We become active there. Now, the process of evolution doesn't stop here. The five subtle elements further combine to produce the five physical or gross elements. Physical elements, the the earth, fire, water, which we call earth, fire, water, those are produced. And by further combination of those physical elements, our worlds, the physical worlds which we see, uh, planets and stars and all, and physical bodies of all living beings and the uh, food which we consume and all of that is produced. And here we are. And uh, uh, the way Vedanta sees this is like this. Remember, originally pure consciousness existed and now also pure consciousness exists, but with this whole appearance. Pure consciousness plus Maya is called Ishwara or Saguna Brahman. Pure consciousness plus one part of that Maya is called one Jiva or the name there is Pragya. This is a technical name from the Mandukya Upanishad, Pragya. Now, that pure consciousness plus Maya Plus all the minds, remember, minds have been created now. All the minds together, there's a cosmic mind. So pure consciousness plus maya plus cosmic mind has the name Hiranyagarbha. Hiranyagarbha. And pure consciousness plus one bit of maya plus one mind, one antakarana, is now called taijasa. Like we are each of us, we are one, one taijasa in our dreams. And then at the physical level, that pure consciousness plus maya, plus cosmic mind, plus this entire universe together is called Virat or Vishwarupa. That's what Arjuna saw in the 11th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And at the individual level, that same pure consciousness plus um, individual ignorance, plus the individual mind and this individual physical body, just like we are now, right now. There's a technical name for this. We are called Vishwa. That consciousness is called Vishwa. So there are many individual sentient beings, one cosmic sentient being. And each of us have these three stages. Pure consciousness plus our deep sleep state where we are in just a seed form. Pure consciousness plus that seed form plus a mind, our dream state. Pure consciousness plus the seed form plus the mind plus this body our waking state right now, what we are right now. But the same thing is replicated at the cosmic level. There's pure consciousness plus Maya, Ishwara, Bhagavan, God. Pure consciousness plus Maya plus cosmic mind, Hiranyagarbha. Pure consciousness plus Maya plus cosmic mind plus the universal body or Virat. That's it. We are done. It sounds complicated, but of course, it's not complicated. It's a far sort of simplified sketch of the universe a simplified sketch of the universe for what purpose remember the, don't forget the purpose the purpose is to realize that you are brahman so this is a sort of paradigm a simplified sketch which is set out so that the inquiry can start you can start from here and inquire go back and realize i am that pure consciousness or that purusha and then our problems will be over hopefully now so this is the background this is a sort of a neat picture. Now we will go to this particular Upanishad. You will, uh, you know, notice one thing. As far as creation is concerned, there's always that pure consciousness, Purusha. And there will be a causal state of Maya. 
and there will be a subtle state of the mind and there will be a physical state of the body. It's very easy to understand when we look at our own daily experiences. Your experience of waking, dreaming, deep sleep. So in deep sleep, you are that pure consciousness plus that one speck of that maya called ignorance. And in your dreams, you are that pure consciousness plus that speck of maya plus the dreaming mind. And in your waking state, you're the same pure consciousness with um, the causal body, subtle body and physical body. That speck of maya, that mind plus this physical body. Just like that, think of the universe as having a physical body, as having a subtle body, as having a causal body. And beyond the three bodies, one pure consciousness. Just as you, beyond the three bodies, are that one pure consciousness. If you have followed all this rigmarole, you might have noticed one thing. If I am pure consciousness with individual mind, body, and causal body and all that, and this universe is pure consciousness with same pure consciousness, with a cosmic um, causal body, maya, with a cosmic mind, a cosmic physical body. But apart from the bodies, as pure consciousness, isn't it that I and the cosmic are one? Because I am that there's only one pure consciousness. This is the meaning of tattvamasi or aham brahmasmi. You are that. Not as you as the individual being. You as the individual being are one among billions. Not even you as the individual mind. You as the individual mind are one among billions. Not even in the causal state. But beyond the causal state, you the pure consciousness and the pure consciousness which we call God are one reality. Literally one reality. All right. Now let us come to the, the mantra itself. From that pure consciousness, with the power of Maya, Etasma Jayate, what is born? Prana, the vital forces, Manaha, mind, the Antakkaran, inner instrument, Sarvindriyanicha, all the five the senses of knowledge, the five the capacities for action, all of them come from that. How? How do they come? From pure consciousness, how does the mind emerge or how do ears and eyes and stuff like that emerge? And he says, Kam vayu jyoti rapa prithivi. The five elements come first. Space comes. Uh, air comes. Uh, fire comes. Water comes. And earth comes. The five elements. What, what is the story in between? I have already narrated it. The five elements combining in various ways form the and the prana, the mind, and the sense organs, and all those capacities. And then further, they will form up the physical um, universe. Uh, so, ultimately, the, the world, the earth, which holds up all sentient beings, emerges. One thing one might note here is that uh, it seems to be describing human beings. You know, five senses and a mind and all of that. Um, there are a variety, tremendous variety of living beings. They are, it seems they are not really interested in that. That is true. We are not doing biology here. We are not doing science here. It's a method to, which will, the whole thing is designed so that we can get some traction on our experience and then trace our way back to our real nature as pure consciousness. What is necessary to describe here is this particular body-mind system. So that is something that's obvious to us. We can start here. 
and then step by step trace our way back to our nature as the witness consciousness. That's all that is necessary. You don't have to describe the um, nervous system of eels or octopuses or something like that. No, not necessary. It's not. That's not the point here. Now, let me just read a little bit from the commentary of uh, Shankaracharya and then we can uh, discuss it. Commentary of Shankaracharya to this mantra, mantra number three. So he says, Etasmat, from this, from which? From with this, the entire universe originated. From but, but from which one did the entire universe originate? Shankaracharya answers, Etasmat eva purushat. Nama Rupa Bija Upadhi Lakshitat Jayate Utpadyate Avidya Vishaya Vikara Bhuta Namadheya Anritatmaka Prana. Don't worry about the Sanskrit, it's just for those who like to hear the original Sanskrit of Shankaracharya and for my own benefit so that I can read it out and explain. So from this, what is this? Purusha from pure consciousness. In association with Nama Rupa Bija Upadhi Lakshitat. This is Sanskrit is so powerful that uh, just a few words you can, a uh, whole philosophy is packed into it. Nama Rupa Bija Upadhi. This phrase is uh, one word for this would be Maya. What is Maya? It's a power. So does Brahman have powers? Pure consciousness have powers? Does it have certain capacities? If you say yes, then it becomes characterized. It, it is no longer nirguna, no longer beyond all characterizations, beyond all adjectives or descriptions. You can see, say then, that ultimate reality has the power to create the world. You can say that. That's why he says upadhi. Upadhi. It's not really um, the adjective or the, the power of Brahman. See, when we say power, something has power. Then the power and the thing we, we are talking about, both of them exist. So, for example, we can say fire has the power to burn. Or this light has the power to illumine. So fire has the power to burn, light has the power to illumine. Now the burning power of fire and fire are, equal, are equally real at that level, same level. There is fire and it has the burning power. But it's not like that with Brahman and Maya. So this is Advaita Vedanta. Advaita Vedanta says, Purusha, pure consciousness, that's the only reality. And this power um, is an appearance. It's like when we say, uh, the classic example for Upadhi is um, a, a red crystal. I wonder if... I... Yes, this works nicely. Now, here, I have this. It's perfectly transparent. Now, if you put it put it in front of my red sweater, notice it begins to look red. It begins to look red. But it's not red. Notice the difference? <laughs> or I can use this. Now it no longer looks transparent. You see the difference? It looks transparent now. Now it no longer looks transparent. It looks deep brown because of the presence of the book. Now this is like pure consciousness, transparent. It, it, has, it has 
and no color at all. Pure consciousness has no characteristics. But the mo this book is called an upadhi. It has a color, a brown color. And when it comes into close proximity with this transparent um, glass, it appears to transfer its color to that glass. I'll repeat it. It appears to transfer its property, that brown color, to the glass. Now, those who are observing, they will feel the glass has become brown. The glass has a brown color. The classical example is Swatika and um, Japakoshuma. A red flower, the china rose, and a crystal. If you bring a crystal near a china rose, the crystal seems red. What is an upadhi? The Sanskrit word upadhi, it is split in this way. I'll translate. But first, it, it is split in this way. The upa samipe sthitva suyan gunan adhatte. That which comes into close proximity and seems to transfer, seems to transfer its own properties on something else, which does not have those properties. So a brown book cover, a brown book cover coming near a transparent glass seems to transfer its brown color to that glass. Even when this transparent glass looks brown, it isn't brown. Similarly, the claim is that Brahman and Maya are related like that. Brahman is like this. Purusha or Brahman is like this, pure consciousness. And Maya is like that brown book. But you will say again, but the brown book exists. It comes near that glass and seems to transfer its qualities. In this case, Maya doesn't have any existence apart from itself. It's an appearance in Brahman. Make of it that or what you will. So it has the power to make Brahman appear as other than it is. What does that uh, Maya do? It makes Brahman appear as space and air and fire and water. And then starts a process within Maya of those elements combining and producing prana, mind, indriyas, bodies, worlds and so on. And the same Brahman now appears as Ishwara, God, Hiranyagarbha, cosmic mind. Virat, the cosmic person. It also appears as individuals like us. So it says, so you can see Upadhi. What Upadhi is talking about? Nama Rupa Bija. Names and forms. So what does Maya do? It doesn't actually create anything. But it projects a network of names and forms. What network of names and forms? Which you are seeing right now. This video which you are seeing. Another example is the computer screen in front of me. It's in front of many of you. Computer screen. Notice, it's just glass. It's a computer screen. But there's a network of names and forms on it. The various icons which have popped up in it. So the plain glass of that device, whether your computer or iPad, is now colorful and present with various kinds of pictures, each of which have names and meanings for you. Similarly, Pure consciousness now appears as this very colorful university. But at this point also, this glass where I can see all of you, you are not there. You are appearing there. But what's there is just the glass screen of the computer, nothing else. Similarly, Brahman is appearing as this universe. It's a Maya is the seed, the collection of the seeds of all names and forms. Now look at this terminology. This phrase, Nama Rupa Bija Upadhi Lakshita. Even the word Lakshita pointed out or indicated 
is also very profound philosophically, but we won't go there. Jayate, Utpadyate appears, projected. And he says, how, how do you know it's not really produced? Because Utpadyate might mean actually produced. Brahman produces this universe. No. Avidya Vishaya Vikara Bhuto. It is in ignorance the transformation seems to happen. Just as in ignorance of the rope, it seems to have been transformed into a snake. In ignorance of Brahman, it seems to have been transformed into a universe. In ignorance of our real nature's pure consciousness, I seem to be an individual being with bodies and minds, with a body and mind, a sentient being, a jiva. Brahman appears externally to have become this world, and internally within us, Brahman seems to have become a jiva, which is not become a jiva. You are Brahman right now. This entire world of experience is not a world of experience. It is Brahman right now. But it appears like that because of the network of names and forms. Shankaracharya makes it abundantly clear in his commentary. Nahi tena avidya vishayena anritena pranena sapranatvam parasyasyat aputrasya swapna drishteneva putrena saputratvam. He says that pure consciousness, did you not just say that the pure consciousness is without uh, um, prana, without mind, without senses. But now you are saying that everything has been projected. Mind, uh, senses, prana, everything has been projected. So how is it any longer uh, without um, you know, prana, mind and senses? He says here, it's a projection in ignorance. Just like a person who does not have a child and sees his child in a dream and thereby does not become someone with a child. So, aputrasya, the one who does not have a, a child, swapna drishtena putrena, by seeing the child in a dream, na saputratvam, does not become a, a person, you know, a father or a mother with a child. Similarly, you, the pure consciousness, projecting a world and a body-mind and senses, you do not become uh, you're not it's not that consciousness now has a mind and a body and senses no it looks like that let me give a, an example which we all experience every day in our dreams we fall asleep and we in our dreams we see things hear talk to people go to places in our dreams how do we see our eyes are closed how do we hear our ear this ear is not functioning I mean, at least we are not consciously connected to it. How do we walk? Unless you are sleepwalking, you are actually lying down in the bed. So in the dream, these sense organs of the physical body are not active. And yet, we are using, we are able to see, hear, smell, we are able to walk around and talk. How? If you notice in your dream, you seem to be pretty normal. You seem to have eyes and uh, ears and hands and feet in the dream. And they are all functioning, not like the ones which are sleeping on the bed. But we will all agree, in our dreams, they were not real eyes or ears or hands or feet. They were all nothing but the dreaming mind appearing in those ways. Nothing but the dreaming mind appearing as a body, as hands and feet and eyes. All the sense organs in the dream, all the body, every capacity in the dream was projected by the dreaming mind. That's an example. In the same way, pure consciousness projects this universe and then apparently, 
physical body, apparently subtle mind, senses and all of that. Evam manaha sarvani chendriyani vishayaha chaitasma devajayante tasmat siddham asya nirupacharitam apranadi matvamityarthaha. So he says, in this way, mind and all the senses and body and vishaya, the objects of the universe, they are all projected. And therefore, Siddham, it is proved or it is uh, established that apranadimattvam, pure consciousness by itself does not have mind, senses, body, nor is there a world to experience from the perspective of pure consciousness. Nirupacharitam, again a profound word. If you ask, here is the funny thing. Oh, so pure consciousness does not have a mind, does not have eyes or ears, hands and feet. It doesn't have a mind, then who is thinking right now? You're thinking, right? All of us are thinking. So if, and you're telling me I'm pure consciousness. Pure consciousness does not have a mind, but clearly I am thinking now. So who is thinking? You're saying pure consciousness does not have eyes, but clearly we are all seeing now. And we, you are saying we are pure consciousness. So we are seeing now with eyes. How is this possible? You are saying that we don't have eyes. Um, so, Nirupacharitam, in the primary sense, if you ask the question, right now, in our day-to-day -day life, common sense, in this world, who is the one who is thinking, um, seeing, hearing, smelling, talking, walking, all the activities that we are doing now with our sense organs and our motor organs, who is doing it? And the only answer can be that same pure, uh, pure consciousness, the same Purusha, but only in a secondary sense. It's exactly in the sense, if you say, in my dream, um, I traveled to um, you know, Las Vegas. In my dream, I traveled to Las Vegas. Now, the, in a dream, you travel to Las Vegas, but how? Secondarily. Uh, actually, nobody went to Las Vegas. But the experience which you have, you had it, definitely. You as the dreamer, you had it. In a secondary sense, yes, I went to Las Vegas in my dream. Similarly, in a secondary sense, pure consciousness in association with its projections. What are its projections? Mind, senses, body. In association with its projections, it is pure consciousness alone who is seeing. It's pure consciousness alone who is uh, talking, walking, eating. Yes, that is true. But in a non-secondary sense, in the primary sense, actually, if you ask in plain English, actually what's happening? Actually, pure consciousness does not have mind, senses, or uh, any of these factors, body, right? Nor are there any objects to be experienced. And then he says, asanta tatha pralinaha rashtabhya. Just as Prana, mind, senses, body, universe, external universe, before their projection did not exist. What existed? Pure consciousness. And after they are destroyed, you know, after the death or after the dissolution of the universe, no universe will be there, no bodies will be there, no minds and no senses will be there. Just as they did not exist before projection, they do not exist after dissolution, so also while they are appearing, they do not exist. It's only pure consciousness which exists. It's like saying, before the pot was made, what existed? Clay. Did the pot exist? No. 
after the pot is broken, what exists? Clay. Does the pot exist when it's broken? No, no, of course not. But further, even when the pot exists, it actually does not exist. What happens is the name, the, the clay is given a particular form and a name pot is applied to it and it is used in a particular way. There is a name, there is a form and there is a use. But the reality continues to be clay before the pot, during the pot and after the destruction of the pot. Clay, clay, clay in all three periods of time. In between what happens is after the so-called projection of the pot, production of the pot, a, a unique name, form and use appears. Nama Rupa Vivahan. After the destruction of the pot, that name, form and use is gone. But what is the reality all throughout? Clay. Clay is the reality all throughout. Similarly, what is the reality all throughout? Before the creation of the universe, pure consciousness. After the creation of this universe, pure consciousness. After the destruction of the universe, pure consciousness. In between, pure consciousness, but with an appearance of the universe. Before our birth, pure consciousness. Now when we are born with mind and body, we are pure consciousness. And after the death of the body, after, suppose, enlightenment, there is no more body or mind also. Pure consciousness. But in between, whether you are enlightened or not, whatever, in, when we are living in this body, there is an appearance of a body-mind individuality. The difference is uh, in um, knowledge and ignorance. In our ignorance, we do not know the underlying pure consciousness and we think, I am this body-mind, this individual person, different from everybody else. Those who do not understand the clay, they will say, this is a pot, this is a jar, and they're different from each other. Those who do not understand gold will say, this is a necklace, and that's a bracelet. They're different from each other. They do not know the inherent, real, intrinsic reality, what is there. Those who know the intrinsic reality, will they be unable to distinguish between bracelet and necklace? No, no, no. They will be able to, just like any of us, they can happily distinguish. They know what is a necklace, they know what is a bracelet. They further know that both are the same thing. It is the same gold which was made into a necklace, given the name necklace and used as a necklace. It was further melted down, made into a bracelet, given the name bracelet, form of bracelet, given the name bracelet and used by putting on your wrist. Name, form and function changed, but the reality of it remained the same. Those who know gold will understand that. Similarly, birth, aging, death of the body. It's a name and form. Frustration, unhappiness, delight, um, desire, waking, dreaming, sleeping of the mind. It's a name and form. What's the underlying reality? Pure consciousness. Who is that? Who are you? In ignorance, body-mind. In knowledge, pure consciousness. Right now, right here. So that is the great teaching of this mantra. And then he says, what will happen in the rest of the chapter? Sangshepataha para para vidya vishaya maksharam nirvishesham purusham satyam divyo hyamutaityadina mantrena uktva. So he says, the higher knowledge, Paravidya, which has been asked for, has been said in brief in the mantra number two. Pure consciousness without mind, without prana, without indriyas, um, which is, um, you know, beyond all causality. That has been said in brief. Now it's going to be expanded in the rest of the chapter. 
in details they're going to show you here is this universe how it has come from that pure consciousness or projected from that pure consciousness why is he doing that the mantra in Uktva, having said this in brief in mantra number two the rest of the chapter punaha again tadeva savishesham vistarena vaktavyam it needs to be said with details how the projection takes place um, Sangshepa Vistaro, very nicely has said this. Sangshepa Vistaro Tohi Padartha Sukhadigamyo Bhavati. When you say something, make the point in brief. In one sentence, let me tell you what the truth is. Tattva Messi, for example, you are that. Then expand upon it in great, great detail. When you do both of it, then the thing becomes understood. Just say briefly what it is, people won't understand. You are that. Well, sounds nice, but what is that? And how am I that? And what good does it do? But then you exp expound the whole thing through Vedanta Sara, the entire teaching. You know, it takes 40 or 50 classes. And then you say again, that thou art. And now the understanding is entirely different now. It's very deep and clear now. So he says, um, it will be easily understood. Sukha Adhigamyo. It is easily understood. If you Make the point in brief. Tell us in one sentence or one verse and then tell us through the rest of the chapter in detail. Sutra Bhashya Ukti Vad Iti Just like aphorism and commentary. That's what he did. Shankaracharya did, you know. The Brahma Sutras. The Sutras, they are aphorisms. Very short, very cryptic. Now, if you want to know what it means, then Shankaracharya has given you an extensive commentary. So, in brief, you need the sutra. Once you know the commentary, you know the meaning of the sutras. And if you know the meaning, then you don't need to carry around big books with you. You just have the sutras memorized, the whole knowledge system of Vedanta, if you know Brahma Sutras. The whole knowledge system of Yoga, Patanjali Yoga, if you know the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. In order to know that, you must know the meaning of the sutras with the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, with the commentary of Vyasa. In Brahma Sutras, you must know the meaning of the Brahma Sutras with the commentary of Shankaracharya and all subsidiary sub-commentaries. Similarly, Nyaya Sutras are there, Vaisheshika Sutras are there, um, Sankhya Sutras are there, but the original one is supposed to have been lost. Um, Purva Mimamsa Sutras are there, Grammar Sutras are there, you know? um, Vyakarana Sutras. If you know the Sutras, with the commentaries, if you have read the commentaries, then the sutras give you the whole knowledge system, like a zip file. In computers, you have zip file. Zip file by itself you can't use. You have to unzip it. Then the details will come. All right. Let's stop here. Let me look at the comments and questions. Sri Ram says, Mahavakya Pragyanam Brahma refers to the consciousness unmediated by the mind. That's not the awareness we normally allude to, but requiring investigation. The correct understanding. Correct. This is the correct understanding. This is here, Pragyanam Brahma. Pure consciousness is Brahman. This is from the uh, Aitareya Upanishad. Here, it is called Purusha. And here it's being pointed out. You, the consciousness, right now you are surrounded. You, the consciousness, you are surrounded by mind, intellect, memory, um, ego. These are the functions of the mind. You are further surrounded, an outer circle of uh, eyes, ears, nose, skin, tongue, and all integrated in a physical, biological body. And you think, this is who I am. But there are things which are surrounding you. You are, at your core, you are pure consciousness. 
and those things which are surrounding you, and they are also your own projections through Maya. And they are not something separate which have come to you. Niravora says, is Maya a unique concept to Advaita Vedanta? Advaita Vedanta has a unique take on Maya, but Maya is not unique to Advaita Vedanta. The Buddhists have a similar concept. Um, even Sankhya has a concept called Prakriti, which has more or less the same role as Maya. But there are um, technical differences. Girish says, net block differences, access conscious cognition from phenomenal consciousness, feelings. Does phenomenal consciousness approach Vedanta's pure consciousness? No. Phenomenal consciousness and access consciousness both depend on pure consciousness. There are different capacities of the Antakkarana. Phenomenal consciousness and cognition, access consciousness. Ned Block, by the way, he's right here in uh, in the in NYU, New York University, in the philosophy department here. He's probably the leading philosopher of mind in the world, along with David Chalmers. Sonali says, if pure consciousness alone exists, then it can only interact experience itself as its own projections and objectifications. Absolutely. What else is there? So only that one is appearing as all of this. From an Advaitic perspective, of course. Dimitri says, is Maya a constant element of... Huh? A constant ion that persists through the cycles of universes. The only constant, uh, or the only constant is amnes, isness, and the I gets added as universes spun up and therefore it limited only to the lifespan of each universe appearance. Does my Ishvara persist through cycles of universe appearance or the new Ishvara for every cycle? All right. Um, the second part is easily answered. Ishvara persists through all uh, cycles. Pure consciousness plus Maya. That is called Ishvara. Maya persists through all cycles. In fact, it is Maya which undergoes these cycles. Maya projects itself into the subtle universe of the five subtle uh, elements and then further into the physical or gross universe of this universe. And at, at a certain time, this physical universe will collapse into the subtle and the subtle will become enfolded back into Maya. After an indeterminate period of time, because why I'm saying indeterminate, the projection of Maya includes the projection of time and space also. So you can't say that between two universes there is a period of time. There isn't. It's um, We can say it's timeless. But so time, space, and um, causality are projected. Maya itself is time, space, and causality, and the universe is projected. goes through a cycle of projection, existence, and um, destruct, dissolution. And then again another cycle, again another cycle, and so on and on endlessly. Consciousness associated with this process is called Ishwara. Now, one thing to understand here is, though Ishwara persists, Maya persists throughout the cycles, in one sense, Maya is eternal because it persists eternally. Another sense, it is not. Because the moment you are enlightened, you will see Maya never did exist. Though it appears eternally. See, it appears eternally in time. But time itself is an appearance. From your perspective, enlightened perspective, there will only be Brahman. Even when you are experiencing the universe and when you are not experiencing the universe. There is only Brahman. So, the I am of Ishwara will actually persist from universe to universe to uni universe. But under, underlying the universe is the I am of Ishwara. And underlying the I am of Ishwara is the original, the amnes isness. The ultimate reality is that isness, awareness, existence, consciousness. 
Michael Bird says, since our experience is just a fictional appearance in consciousness, much like the pot is really a fictional appearance in clay, then would the idea of Maya itself also be a fictional appearance? In Absolutely. Maya itself has the same status as its creations. I ask because that for that means there is a know-how why in the experience happening because Maya, instead this experience in this moment is the only way Brahman itself could ever be. Very beautifully put. This is very profound. There is no how or why there. Because how and why comes with Maya. Um, and we cannot further ask how or why Maya. Because how and why does not make any sense from the perspective of Brahman. From the perspective of Brahman, there is only Brahman. And from enlightenment, enlightened perspective, only Brahman exists. Sunali says, can we roughly relate Maya or seed state of deep sleep to unconscious mind? Dream state to subconscious mind, waking state to conscious mind as defined in psychology. Roughly, yes. Why not? Why not? Sri Ram says, Swamiji is the seed state in an individual level, same as avidya or ignorance. Yes. Which is said to never exist by Ajatavada. So if so, does this help our sadhana? So Ajatavada says that the universe actually doesn't exist. Uh, Brahman alone exists. In an ultimate sense, that is true. Now, will that attitude help our spiritual practice or our Advaitic inquiry? It depends. If somebody, the monks in Uttarakhand, how they understand it is, if somebody has intense vairagya, intense dispassion for the world, a very deep don't-care attitude to the world and one's body-mind and one's individuality. You can't say, I don't care for anybody else, but I... I'm going to take very good care of my own skin, then it's not at all spiritual. It's just a delusion then. Um, in that case, the Ajatavada doctrine, the world doesn't appear, it appears, but it's not, there's no reality to the world. Brahman alone is the reality. That is a very, a very uh, quick or a shortcut. Uh, however, there are very few who are blessed with such dispassion from the very beginning. Therefore, the Easier way would be for sadhana. There are two other steps: drishti srishti vada and srishti drishti vada. Drishti srishti vada it says that it's not that the world doesn't exist. We keep projecting it as we experience it, just like a dream. In the dream, we keep projecting the dream. If you are not dreaming the word dream world, it doesn't exist really. The dream world exists only because you're dreaming it. Similarly, the drishti srishti vada says. This universe of your experience exists only because you're experiencing it, not apart from you, the experiencer. If that is also difficult, one step further, closer to common sense, Srishti Rishti Vada. You take a common sense approach to this universe, or a scientific approach. Universe exists and we are thrust into it as this individual. Now I have to do inquiry into who am I and find out Brahman. That is easier. So whether Ajata will, will be easier, does it help or not? It depends a lot on the preparation of the mind. The mind is really prepared for a very, very few people. Ajata Vada is a straight route. It's direct, immediate. But it's easy to fool yourself that way. Sonali says, can white light appear as different colors be an analogy how Brahman appears in different forms? Yes, and as an analogy, it is fine. Shweta says, Maya has to be the imagination of Brahman. So Maya has to be connected with Brahman as the imagination is appearing in him. Yes, notice that um, Shankaracharya used the example of a dream. 
of the man dreaming that he has a child. It does not make him really a person with a child. Similarly, if you project an universe, it's not that the universe is really there. Project body, mind, senses. Not that pure consciousness now really has a mind and a senses and a body. No. So he, he uses this dream or imagination. Another example uh, I have got is Sister Nivedita. She one day got this idea and asked Swami Vivekananda, can I think of Maya as the dream of Shiva? And Vivekananda laughed and he said, well, 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 yes, have it your way. You can dream about, you can think about it that way. Priyanka says, Maya's projection of a web of names and forms can be taken as an appearance. But why can't Maya itself be a real power of Brahman? Is the power to dream a real power of the dreamer? Even the contents of the dream are not? Huh. Mm. It's a power to dream. You can say power to project. Fine. But it's... Um, Instead of saying then power to project, you can say then it is Brahman itself. It's the very nature of Brahman to shine in these ways. That much you can say, Gaudapada says. But if you see, here's the problem technically. If you set up Brahman with this particular power, then Brahman has an attribute. Power is an attribute. Then Brahman is no longer Nirguna. And then there will arise the question of the relationship between Brahman and its power. Real Brahman, real power, real relationship, duality. Not only that, further it goes on. Real Brahman, real power, real effect. So, our power to dream is a power to basically, the mind projects itself as this world. Brahman does that. That's the very nature of Brahman. Gaudapada says that is acceptable. Brahman uh, has the power to project itself. But it's not a power in that sense. It's the very nature. There's a difference between a thing's nature and its power. Swarupa in Sanskrit. Sangeeta says, if you can please comment on how this relates Parma and his dead son, as narrated by Sri Ramakrishna, the parable. Yes, the famous parable in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, where Sri Ramakrishna is illustrating what Vedanta wants to say. There was a farmer who dreamt that he had become a king and he had seven sons, seven princes, and he was ruling a powerful kingdom and so on. Suddenly he was woken up by his wife who was crying and said, Our son, our only son is dead. Noticing that the farmer was not weeping, his wife berated him. How hard-hearted you are. You are not weeping for your dead son. And uh, the farmer said, Should I weep for this one dead son or those seven uh, sons who, you know, who just disappeared when I woke up? <laughs> yeah. So that's a very um, drishti shrishti the way of looking at this universe, equating it with the dream. Neelaji says, uh, in the example, the pot and the clay, there has to be a creator of the pot with some idea of creating the pot. How to explain this? Certainly. So Ishwara is the creator or projector of this universe, and Ishwara has lots of ideas about this universe. So Ishwara can create the universe in each cycle. Where do those ideas come from? Everything is stored in Maya. That's the idea of a seed. A seed has all the DNA, you know. So it sprouts according to its own nature. Ishwara is like the witness. Because of the presence of Ishwara, Maya sprouts into a new universe. Cycles through a universe, everything is dissolved, again sprouts into a new universe. And the cycle goes on. Except the entire cycle is an appearance. That's what Advaita wants to say. 
Shiva Priya says, just like dream borrows experiences from the experience of the waking state, similarly, waking state borrows experiences from past karma, correct, which travels through reflect, not through reflected consciousness, but with the reflected consciousness after this body falls and gets another body, correct. Can we think that the universe and everything is dream of pure consciousness? Yes, we can. Prem says, in an exalted state, we are able to experience bliss consciousness. If consciousness does not have any aspect to it, how are we able to experience it? No, we, we cannot experience consciousness as you know, like the way we are experiencing a book or a you know an ice cream or something. It cannot be experienced directly. In another sense, we are experiencing only consciousness. So everything that we are experiencing is um, a projection of consciousness. Consciousness appearing to itself in all these ways. When you say exalted state, what you mean is that in some heightened state of the mind, a very sattvic state induced by meditation uh, or a very pure mind, certain exalted mystical experiences are possible. So is that an experience of consciousness? Yes, but just like that, everything is an experience of consciousness also. That's why these words are very important. When Shankaracharya said, Nerupacharitam, not in a secondary sense. In a secondary sense, we are experiencing only Brahman and consciousness all the time. It's only in a secondary sense. In the primary sense, Brahman or pure consciousness cannot be an object to be experienced. Only when it is dressed up in names and forms, then it is experienced in these ways. Prem says, you mentioned that consciousness existed before everything. And everything dissolves into consciousness at the end. If that is the case, who or what created? Nobody nobody created consciousness. That's the thing. Consciousness or purusha here is supposed to be fundamental. Why do we think someone has to create something? Because in, the, in this universe, everything is within causality. Everything has a cause, a creator. This Because of this, this happened. This also happened because of something prior to it and so on. But all of this chain of causality is appearing in pure consciousness. Pure consciousness is not a thing which has been created. It's not a product. Shweta says, Maya is the characteristic of Brahman, heat and light are characteristic of Brahman. Then Brahman is not really Nirgun. Yes, so if it was really a characteristic of Brahman, then Brahman would not be Nirgun. Brahman would be Saguna. So Saguna Brahman is admitted in Advaita Vedanta, but at one step lower uh, than Nirguna Brahman. The ultimate reality is Pure Consciousness, Purusha, Nirguna Brahman. Good. Endless questions can be there because this is a very contentious thing. But always remember, this is a part of what is called pedagogy. This is a way of trying to show us something. It's not really making a scientific claim that the universe has to be like this. In your dream, in a dream world, we can develop a science. Suppose... And that science may also work. It may explain many things in the dream. But what Advaita is saying is that whatever your science is, primitive or crude or sophisticated, the whole thing is a dream. There is an underlying dream means there is a, a deeper underlying truth which is appearing in this way. In this level, you can have a science which will work perfectly. And that's good. In the realm of name, form and function, science will work. But the whole thing, Notice, science does not, even right now, does not have an answer to what is existence itself. Why does anything exist at all? And science does not have an answer to the mystery of consciousness. Why are we aware at all? And science does not have an answer to the question of value, purpose, good and bad. What is the point of it all? Does Vedanta have an answer? Yes, 
what is all this in reality? Vedanta says, Sat, pure being. Why are we conscious at all? Because of Chit. The nature of that pure being is, he says, Divyo Purusha, shining. It is consciousness itself. And what is the point of this entire universe? Ananda, bliss. So Satchidananda is this uh, underlying reality. Um, so yeah, that's what Vedanta wants to say. Om Shanti, 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 Hari Om Tatsat, Shri Ram Krishna Arpanamastu.